sure I'm on here. It's good to see everybody that's here this morning. Uh, glad to have you with us there on our social media platforms, whether that's on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Uh, please be sure to heart, to like, to share us there. I had everything upside down there. Uh, be sure to heart, to share, to like us there. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, click the notification bell. That way you'll get the live notifications uh, when we go live. And then also, welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. If you need that number, uh, please see me after the service. We'll be glad to give that to you. Uh, it, or you can call our church office if you're there online uh, we it's a great resource that we have and we have several people uh, who use that uh, each and every week so also want to remind you that if you have access to our church website uh, you can go to highlandbaptistchurch.com under the info tab you can download the worship bulletin for today the children's worship bulletins also the children's worship bulletins if you're in person are in this windowsill to my right uh, the worship bulletins are at the doors as you come in, so be sure to grab one of those uh, with all the upcoming activities that we have. And then also under that info tab, uh, you can download the prayer list uh, for this week, so be sure uh, to get that uh, downloaded. I think we've still had some problems with the church website there, but it's at the very, very bottom uh, of the church website, if that's the way it was on Wednesday. Uh, there's a little tiny link that's down there uh, is where you can actually uh, download those. So be sure to go there, follow all the way down to the bottom of the page, and you'll find all these resources there. But glad to have everybody who's here uh, in person this morning and looking forward to a wonderful worship service. Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Well, he's the chain breaker, and if you need him, you can meet him at the cross. Let's stand and sing 139. Take your hymnals. Glad you finally got them. 139 at the cross. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign Oh 
and thank you, choir. I uh, just want to remind you, you see your uh, missionary of the week on the screen as well as in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take the time to read uh, about our missionary of the week there, who is uh, Cesar Guzman and his wife who are serving in Puerto Rico. But we are also emphasizing this month our Tennessee Baptist uh, Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, which supports mission work that we do across the state of Tennessee. So we're going to be sharing with you over this month and into the beginning of October some videos to share with you some of the, the opportunities that are there for us to be involved uh, physically as well as praying for and giving to the Golden Offering. Our offering uh, goal is 5000 so prayerfully watch this video this morning. Off and on, I was in and out of jail, lived on the street sometimes, did every drug possible, shot dope, smoked dope. I went to jail and, I mean, there was no way out. I didn't have a home at all. And I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have nobody. I am very passionate about being an advocate for people who are ready to change their lives. And Christian Women's Job Corps, I feel, is the best access in any established program that is faith-based to give people the life skills and the new change of life to go where God's will is calling them. Considering it was faith-based, I didn't really want nothing to do with it. I was kind of mad at God for a while because of everything that had happened. Danielle is one of our graduates. She has started working for the first time in 12 years, but she has had a long, hard road, and now she has been at that job a year and been promoted, lots of responsibility. She had said when she came in, one of the things she kept asking us to pray with her about was the relationships with her two children. She has two sons. She says, you know, I have decimated those relationships. And one night a couple months ago during class, Danielle came in and she was in tears. And she said, I just got off the phone with my sons for the first time in eight years. I do want them back in my life, so I want to be able to do something so they think better of their mother. It's not that days are without problems, but for a woman who said, I don't want to go to a faith-based program, to say, Jesus is what sustains me, he's what's changed me to where I see that this is all a blessing. You know, I owe God everything. <laughs> now, everything I do, even like at work and stuff, I want to do things how Jesus would do them. Because I want to be like how these women here are doing things. You said that's not how I thought. If they can treat people like this, that's how I want to treat people. I want to be able to help people that have been in the same place that I have been. So. In the future, that's what I want to do. The local church can do the long-term work with each of our women. In Christian Women's Job Corps, we have them for a set period of time with set goals. However, one of the biggest connections we try to make is to have the women plugged into their own local church, and preferably a Sunday school or a small group because that's where they're going to learn that's where they're going to feel trusting enough to share when things are very rough. There's still no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If churches across our state could be more like these ladies and more women's lives could be changed. People in addiction, they see it you know, like they're having no way out. Sometimes their last hope is just 
one person's, you know, saying it's going to be okay, or offering them a jacket, or, you know, just a meal. Because you gave through the golden offering, we are making a difference in women's lives. We like to say that any way you slice it, Tennessee is a mission field, and Marion County is a prime example of that. Christian Women's Job Corps has tried to be an active ministry, and as we change one woman's life, we pray that that'll lead to changing a family, which leads to changing the community. So our ministry and our mission field is right here. That is one of the ministries that our Tennessee Baptist Convention supports. There, is, there are many uh, of these Christian Women Job Corps across our state. And so when you give to the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions, this is what you're giving to to support continuing that work to reach those women and to build them up in Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for them uh, and the ministry there at the Christian, Job, Christian Women Job Corps as well as Caesar uh, Guzman. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much for those who have answered the call, whether it's uh, the Guzmans who are serving in Puerto Rico or those who are serving across our state in the Christian Women Job Corps Ministries. Father, I praise you and thank you so much for the testimony we've heard of this lady uh, who was reached, who was transformed and changed, and you are restoring her in the process of her family. And Father, we just pray that as she is desiring to make an impact upon other women uh, who have come from similar situations as her, Lord, that you would open up opportunities for her to be a witness uh, to those women. Father, I pray that you'll bless these ministries across our state uh, as we continue to do missions right here in Tennessee. And bless us, Lord, that we might give towards the golden offering to help us reach our goal of 5,000, as well as just to continue praying uh, daily for each and every one of these ministries. So we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we expect you to look forward to what you're going to do in our service even today. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Let me just say a couple of quick things. Uh, you can uh, do your giving. Uh, the envelopes I don't think are still in your pews there yet. They are in the windows. We do have pink envelopes uh, that are in the window seals, and, and Miss Rima will say something about that a little bit later as well as the prayer guide. Uh, but do want to encourage you to get your offering envelopes. They are at the doors as you go out uh, too that you can put those in the offering plate. But you can do that online giving also by going to highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab. You can do that from in person or you can do that at home online and then just one last reminder uh, we do still have the surveys they're up here on the stage I uh, think there's some at the door but if they're not be sure to come get one uh, here at the stage for our personnel uh, team is asking the input in our search for a music media director uh, whose principal duty would be to develop a comprehensive music program for Highland and asking some information there from you so be sure to fill that out put it in the offering plate, or if you're leaving out this way, you can put it in the little basket on the door outside Miss Amy's office, our church secretary's office. So uh, thank you, and Brother Mike, turn it back to you. There's probably several of you that have never sung all five verses of that previous song. Probably some up here, too. Those words are there for a reason, and maybe it touched somebody's heart today. Turn your hymnals now to 149, and let's sing together with the choir of Blessed Redeemer. Let's... A dreadful morn, what Christ might say. 
children's church will be gathering over here on the piano side and uh, as we sing this next hymn let's all stand and sing 144 uh, when I survey the wondrous claw cross uh, 144 ladies Take your hymn, your hymn books. Why do I keep doing that? I did that last Sunday, didn't I? Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 27, and it's only one verse that we're going to look at today. We'll look at some other verses, but the only one verse we're going to read uh, today. Uh, we read this verse last week, but I wanted to come back to it. I've entitled this message, His Grace my place and you're going to see that title all throughout uh, this message uh, this morning so let's stand as we read god's word in honor of his word so this is speaking of Pilate. you remember the trial has finished and Pilate says uh, Pilate does this he released for them barabbas 
and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you this morning. You are powerful. You are loving. You are gracious. You're merciful. But you are also a just and a holy and a righteous God. And Father, our problem of our sin must be dealt with either by us or by someone else in our place. Father, I pray this morning we will see what Jesus has done for us, that it has been your grace in that Jesus took our place. Father, I pray that you will speak powerfully to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit begin to move in our lives this morning. That If we're here as someone who's never trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray today would be the day of salvation for us. Lord, that we would call out to you to be saved. Lord, there are others who may be here this morning who are believers, and yet, uh, Lord, we have lost that passion and lost that fire that we once had when we came to faith in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that this message will stir our hearts too with an urgency like we've never had before in our lives to share the gospel with those around us before it's too late. Lord, bless your word. May it go forth, and may your Holy Spirit use it in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you be seated. As we said when we come to this passage here this morning in verse 26, the trials are over. The crowds are shouting like uh, uh, college football fans that are cheering for their favorite team, but instead they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. They're saying, we want Barabbas, we want Barabbas. And Pilate, you remember last week, washes his hands, said, this man's innocent, but I wash my hands of him, I give him to you, do with him as you please. When the crowds begin to cry out, crucify him, when they begin to cry out, we want Barabbas, Pilate releases for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, we'll come back to that, delivers him to be crucified. And so the question that all of this verse leads us to and what this whole chapter in this episode that we've been seeing of these sham trials for Jesus is leading us to, the question it leads us to is why was Jesus crucified? I mean, when you look at the life of Jesus, and you, all you see is great things he did. You see the miracles he did. You see the, the love he showed. You see the grace and the mercy and all of those great things he did. And then at the end of his life, he's nailed to a cross in a form of death known as crucifixion that was only reserved for the worst of the worst. And so it leads us to that question, why are they crucifying him? It's so simply put in the scriptures there that he scourged Jesus and delivered him to be crucified. The decision had been made. It seemed as if everything had been lost. I mean, they're, they're, they've heard John was there at the trial. Peter, you remember, denied Jesus last week in those passages. And, and we see that, that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. 
he's weeping and, and they go and they share with the other disciples. Not only has Jesus been arrested, but the verdict has come in. He is going to be crucified and they are broken in their hearts. It seems to them as if everything is lost. They've lost. It's over. And then they take Jesus to prepare him for his death on the cross. You know, all too often for us today, we have become so desensitized to the cross today. When we think of the cross of Jesus today, you know what we so often think of? We think of a piece of jewelry that we wear around our necks or an image that we put on our shirts. The cross was an instrument of death. Crucifixion on a cross was one of the most cruelest forms of execution ever devised by man. I mean, you think about all the forms of, of execution that we even know of today, and crucifixion was far worse than any of those. I'm not going to go into giving you all the gory details about the crucifixion and what that was all about, but there are some things that we need to keep in mind. Crucifixion was a very common uh, thing, a common sight 2,000 years ago. If you lived anywhere under the dominion of the Roman Empire, that probably explains why uh, the gospel writers, they don't go into very much detail about what actually happens when a person is crucified. Because everybody understood what that meant. Everybody knew what that meant. They had seen thousands of those. In fact, in the days of the Romans, the Roman emperors crucified some 30,000 young Jews. And there's only one of those that we remember the name of. Jesus. We remember the name of Jesus out of all those 30,000 because he is the only one who died for our sins and was raised from the dead. And so without question, crucifixion is probably the most painful, the most torturous death ever devised in history. But it differs from the way people are put to death today. You think of some of the forms of execution that are used today. It differs in, in at least two ways from executions today. First of all, especially as we look at executions here uh, in America, for the most part, executions are private events. Cameras aren't allowed into the execution usually. Usually only friends and family and members uh, of, of the family, uh, somebody related to the victim. Those are the people that are allowed to witness uh, the, the execution at all. In contrast, crucifixion wasn't just a public event as it was the romans actually wanted people to see a crucifixion they wanted them to remember here's what's going to happen to you if you step out of line if you disobey our rules if you break our laws you're going to be crucified do you want to hang up there on a cross like these people are so it was a public event but they made sure people would see what was happening. Furthermore, today's executions are very swift. And as much as possible, death is generally brought on as quickly and as quietly as possible. On the other hand, crucifixion was designed purposely to be painful. 
It was designed purposefully to be humiliating, to be a lingering death that could happen over as many as nine days that a person would hang on the cross. Here's what's interesting. Even though very little detail is actually given uh, concerning the death of Jesus, the overwhelming emphasis of the New Testament concerning Jesus isn't about his birth, isn't about his life, it's ultimately about his death. You think about the Apostle Paul who wrote half of the New Testament. If you go and you read any of the books that he wrote on, virtually the entire ministry of Jesus Christ is ignored. He doesn't talk anything about the miracles that Jesus did. He doesn't talk about the things that he, he, he experienced with uh, those disciples. Uh, virtually that's all ignored. He never mentions Jesus' teachings. He never mentions uh, his miracles, never mentions the parables that he told. The emphasis is almost solely and singularly on his suffering, on his death, and on his resurrection. And there's a reason for that. Because the death of Jesus Christ is emphasized because of the death of Jesus Christ along with his resurrection was the extraordinary, the most extraordinary act and event of Jesus' entire life. I mean, think about it. Every other person other than Jesus Christ was born for a specific purpose of living. Every one of us who are here today, you are born to live a specific purpose. But Jesus was born for the specific purpose of dying. He said this in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what Jesus Christ came to do, to die, to die on the cross. You see, death didn't end the work of Jesus. Death was the work of Jesus. So why did Jesus die? You know, most of us know where he died. He died outside the city of Jerusalem on a hill called Calvary. We, most of us know when he died. It was around 30 A.D. Most of us know uh, how he died. He died by crucifixion. But very few stop to consider why did Jesus die? I mean, take a long look at Jesus on that cross. He's come a long way from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. He's come a long way from the manger to the cross. He's come a long way from being born into life to now coming to the place of death. A long way from being a beautiful baby to being a condemned criminal. But in the back of your mind lingers that one gigantic question, why? This is what we're going to learn today through this verse. And here's the key takeaway that I want you to get from this this morning. Is that at the cross, Jesus Christ took our sin so that a holy God could offer his forgiveness. His grace to take our place. And so here's what happened at the cross. And when you understand what happened at the cross, you understand why Jesus died. First, I want you to see this, is that Jesus sacrificed his life for our life, for us. So remember that night 
before, before his arrest, before uh, the, the, the time there, uh, before he was arrested, before they got to the Garden of Gethsemane, before the trials. Remember that night before the, the disciples, they had celebrated the Passover with Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning or you're watching online and you don't understand what the Passover is, it was kind of a flashback in time for Israel uh, for when they were living in captivity in the nation of Egypt. God was going to free them from 400 years of slavery to begin their journey to the promised land. And so the Old Testament is filled with stories of how God would supernaturally intervene in the lives of his people, doing the miraculous, doing the unexpected. And it happened one night several thousand years ago. God had repeatedly warned Pharaoh, who was the, the king of Egypt, to let his people go. And he had uh, warned him what would happen on this night if he didn't. You remember the plagues that came. And so on that night, God was going to free them. God sent an angel over all of Egypt, and his job was to go to every home in Egypt and kill every firstborn child, which would force Pharaoh to let Israel go. The only way to escape was to kill a lamb and take the blood of that lamb and paint it on the doorpost of your house so that when that angel came, he would see the blood and he would pass over. That's where we get the word Passover from. He would pass over that house and everyone would be safe. It was signifying that these people believe in God. They believe what he's told them to do, so that's why they put the blood over their house. From that time until this very day, the Jews still celebrate Passover. It was after that that God instituted a, a, a system of animal sacrifice to continue that principle of sacrifice and blood covering uh, sin. Uh, God put in place this system whereby people could bring a lamb to the priest and have that priest slay that lamb, take the blood of that lamb, and as in a symbolic covering for the sins of the people, sprinkle it, sprinkle it on the altar. For hundreds of years, you could go to the tabernacle and then later on to the temple, and, and you would hear the bleeding of the sheep as they were taken uh, to the slaughter as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Now, in that whole process, and what we read about it in the Old Testament, it is there to tell us that it was never meant to be a final remedy for sin. It was a temporary arrangement. In fact, we read that in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through verse 3, that says, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they, would they not have ceased to be offered? In other words, the sacrifice would have been offered and it would have been done and, and that was the once for all sacrifice if it was through those sheep. And so he says, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices that happened year after year after year, there is a reminder of sins every year. So all of these animal sacrifices were, in effect, putting sin on credit. It was paying for sins 
on credit. Romans 3 verse 25 says this. It says, whom God put forward, as talking about Christ, he put Christ forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. There's that emphasis on the Passover. So think of it in this way. Some of you are going to go out to eat today. Some of you maybe went out to eat this past week and maybe you didn't pay with cash. You paid with a credit card. So think about that. When you go out and eat and you pay for a meal with a credit card, when you walk out, that meal hasn't actually been paid for yet. But the credit card gave you the privilege of buying something immediately for the promise that you would pay it later. That's similar to the way God forgave sin for hundreds of years. In other words, God, in effect, opened up a spiritual charge account. People living during the Old Testament times would charge their sins, in a sense, on a spiritual credit card through the animal sacrifices. They would take their sacrifice to the temple in Jerusalem where the priests would sacrifice animals on the altar and the sins of the people would be credited on a future bill that eventually the Son of God had to pay. So the reason why God did this was to let the people know how serious sin is. Every time an animal was offered on the altar, everybody was reminded of this fact. Sins have to be paid for by someone. In fact, isn't that what the Bible tells us in the New Testament? It tells us for the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. And so that's the way it was for, for hundreds of years. And even though millions of animals were sacrificed over those centuries, spilling out millions of gallons of blood, in reality, not one drop of blood was able to cleanse anyone of their sins. How do we know that? Because the writer of Hebrews says this also in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Over the centuries, the bill just continued to grow. Trillions of sins, transgressions, crimes committed, millions of animals sacrificed. I mean, you think we have a, a huge national debt. Think about the debt that came to play when Jesus went to the cross. But remember, somebody had to pay. That's why, you remember when John the Baptist is baptizing at the river and Jesus comes? That's why we can now understand why John the Baptist once said this of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Because Jesus came as the final, full, complete sacrifice for our sin. And, and so you have to understand that Jesus is the one who sacrificed his life. In other words, his life wasn't taken from him. He willingly laid down his life for you and for me. Matthew 27 verse 50 puts it this way. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Literally that verse says that he sent his spirit away. It's, a, it's the word of a master uh, dismissing the servant. Now, we can't do what Jesus did. But the Bible says Jesus, on his own, sacrificed his life for us. He voluntarily gave his life to pay for our sins. The second thing I want you to see is this. 
Jesus not only sacrificed his life for us, he substituted his death for us. So let's go back to this man that we read about last week that we mentioned in the beginning of verse 26 here that we skipped over uh, about him and, and his name. His name was Barabbas. Well, in verse 15 down to verse 17 in chapter 27, let's read those verses, if you will. So you'll remember we read this last week, that at the feast of the governor, they were accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? So if anybody ever truly understood why Jesus died and what the cross really meant, it was surely Barabbas. Because if it had been any other day, if it had been any other choice than Jesus Christ, Barabbas would have been hanging between those two thieves instead of Jesus. That's what he deserved. In fact, he was, he, you know who he was? He was the worst uh, of criminals. If you think of all the worst criminals that you've known of uh, throughout your life and throughout history, you think of him, that's him rolled up into one. He was public enemy number one. He was supposed to die in the middle between those two thieves. They were probably his friends, his buddies. He was a murderer. He was a robber. He was a rebel. He was a thief. He had been convicted of death more than once. And he probably thought that when Pilate calls him out of the cells that day to come and to be presented before the people, he thinks this is it. I'm fixing to die. There's no way they're going to choose me over the king of the Jews. There's no way they're going to choose me over Jesus. You can just imagine when he got out of that prison, he was floored. When he was set free, you could imagine he may have even wandered over to that place where he was supposed to be hanging on the cross, where he was supposed to be crucified. And maybe he even stood at the foot of that cross and said to himself, I don't know who you are, but one thing I do know is that you're dying in my place. Barabbas missed the cross that day because another man literally took his place. You may be thinking, what does this have to do with me? Just this. Every single one of us who are here or watching online this morning, we are all Barabbas. Understand this. Jesus wasn't just Barabbas's substitute. He was our substitute. He not only died in Barabbas' place, he died in our place. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, it says very simply, he died for us. He died for you. So, so go back to that first point. Jesus died for sin, and that's the sacrifice part. But Jesus also died in the place of the sinner. And that's the substitute part. 
Galatians 3 verse 13 puts it this way. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. In other words, Jesus changed places with us and put himself under that curse. I don't know if you've ever seen, most of you probably have seen the Passion of the Christ movie. You remember the scene where Jesus is about to be nailed to the cross. What you may not know is that that left hand that's holding the nail that's about to be driven through the hand of Jesus is the hand of Mel Gibson. It's the only part that Gibson played in his own movie. The reason he wanted his hand in that shot, in his words, were, I'm first in line for crucifying Jesus. I did it. You know, that's true for every single one of us who are here this morning. It's because of you that he died on that cross. What he was saying was, I understand that Jesus substituted his death for me. Somebody put it this way, the essence of man is man substituting himself for God. But the essence of salvation is God substituting himself for man. There's one last thing I want you to see. One last thing to be said to understand why Jesus Christ died. Here's the third point. Jesus satisfied God's justice for us. So, so let's go back and pick up a verse that we read a few minutes ago. It's in Romans. It's chapter 3, verse 25. Romans 3, verse 25 says this, speaking of Jesus, whom, Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. So remember, he's referring to that time before Jesus uh, came when all those animals were sacrificed as a credit payment, if you will, for our sins. It really wasn't a payment, but it was a symbolic way of letting everybody know there is a payment that is coming. And then we read that Jesus was specifically crucified to demonstrate the justice of God. Now, now this is a deep part here. I want you to get this this morning. It's so important. That word propitiation that you read there in verse 25 is a word that literally means an atonement or a sacrifice that satisfies. So when somebody is atoned for, it simply means that something is paid for. Something is satisfied or a debt is taken care of. The question is, what had to be satisfied? The answer is the justice of God. Go back to our verse that we began with. Matthew 27, verse 26. Then he released for them Barabbas... And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Now, this is deep, so it's very good. Please don't miss this. The cross was not primarily for you. You say, what, preacher? That doesn't make sense. The cross was not primarily for you. The cross 
was primarily for God the Father. Since the blood of animals was merely a credit payment and only symbolic, sin had not been finally and totally paid for. So to make sure that nobody could question God's justice, Jesus died to make that final and full payment and to satisfy the justice of God. So that's why he died on the cross, to satisfy the punishment of sin, to satisfy the justice of God. So he did for us what he did for Barabbas, because remember, we're all Barabbas. So when it comes to sin, here's what justice says. Somebody has to pay. You think about the crimes today. Somebody steals something, somebody's got to pay. Somebody breaks a law, somebody's got to pay. You're speeding down the highway, somebody's going to have to pay. You kill someone, somebody's got to pay. That's what justice says. And so here's the thing. God couldn't simply let bygones be bygones. He couldn't just sweep it under the rug and, and not ever deal with sin. Before we were ever born, before this world was even created, God the Father and God the Son had a plan in which the sin of the human race would be laid upon Jesus. Now, we could go in another whole sermon there to talk about Jesus before the foundation of the world. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When God created mankind, He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Jesus was there before the foundation of the world. He came born in flesh of a virgin, but He was there before He was born in flesh. So focus on the fact here that Jesus would take our punishment so that God could acquit us and still be justified in doing so. So on the one hand, sin would be shown to be the horrible thing that it is, and on the other hand, God would be shown to be both just and a loving God that He is. So understand, God can't give grace to a sinner until His justice is satisfied by the sin of that sinner being paid for. That's why you have to receive the payment Jesus paid for you. If you don't, guess what? You have to pay. The wages of sin is death. Somebody has to pay. So you can take the free gift that Jesus gives you, that he died in your place, his grace, my place, or you can reject Jesus and you will pay for your sin to be eternally separated from God in a place called hell forever. This just shows us how powerful God is. God took all of those acts of injustice that were done to Jesus over those last hours of his life so that his justice could be satisfied. As the world poured out, its wrath upon Jesus Christ at his trial and at his death, God's wrath against our sin was completely released upon Jesus Christ on the cross. God is just. Justice says somebody has to pay. Payment has to be made in full. Payment has to be final. That's why that animal sacrifice system, it continued every year, because it never completely paid for the sin. Jesus died 
so that God would be just in dealing with sin and just, justified in forgiving us as sinners. So let me make it even more simple. The cross was all about three words, mercy, justice, and grace. God's mercy deferred the payment for sin. God's justice demanded the payment for sin. And God's grace delivered the payment for sin in Jesus. His grace, my place. So that's why you cannot go to heaven by being a good person. Because you'll never be good enough. That's why you can't earn your way to heaven by being religious. You can't ever pay enough. Here's the key. God doesn't grade on the curve. He grades on the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. No one can experience the grace of God and no one can have the forgiveness of God if you bypass the cross. The cross is the hinge upon which the door of salvation swings. And that's why the only place that you can connect with God is at the cross of Jesus Christ, where his grace took your place. The choice now is yours. You're here this morning, and you've never trusted by faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you this morning, you have absolutely no promise that when you walk out of this building and you get in your car that you'll make it to the restaurant. Just like that. You could be gone. This may be your final opportunity. You're here watching online. You could have a heart attack sitting right there in your chair at home. This could be your last opportunity. I don't want to scare anybody into salvation, but that's the reality of what we see here. There is a payment that must be paid. And if you don't receive the free gift of the payment Jesus has already paid for you, you will pay in eternity. That's the message that we as the church, we as believers are to be sharing more emphatically as the day draws nearer for the return of Jesus Christ or the death of our soul, the death of our life, that we would tell others, His grace took your place. You're here as a believer this morning. I want to encourage you more fervently than ever to look for those opportunities that I know, I know because God does it to me every single day. He places people in your path who need to hear about Jesus. It may be a simple word. It may be a long conversation you get to have with them sharing the gospel. But you make the most of those opportunities you have to share about Jesus and what he has done for you. He was crucified in your place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful, simple verse. What a powerful truth that Jesus took our place. Lord, I pray we would never, ever, ever take that for granted. 
Lord, I don't know the people who are here this morning, the people who are watching online, if this is their last opportunity. They don't know either. But they do know, Lord, that they have an opportunity right now to trust and receive the free gift of grace through Jesus Christ, the price that he paid for their sin. Father, I pray that they would call out to you and ask for forgiveness and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross in my place. He was buried in the tomb in my place. Lord, I, think, I pray as we think about Barabbas, who probably maybe even thought the same things. It should have been me. It should have been us, Lord. And out of your mercy and out of your grace and out of your justice, you sent Jesus to die in our place. And Father, may those individuals call out to you and say, God, I trust in what Jesus did for me. That he died and was buried and arose again on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray they would come this morning to publicly profess Christ as their Lord and Savior. If they're watching online, that they would share in the comments there so we can pray for them and encourage them in their walk with you. But Lord, I would dare say there are a lot of us who are here this morning who we know Jesus. We've trusted in the free gift of grace but we haven't made the most of those opportunities and we've let people pass us by and we never told them about his grace in their place. Father, none of us know when our last moment may be. And I just pray, God, that we'll make the most of every moment we have not just to live life to its fullest, to enjoy life, to enjoy the gifts that you've given us to and the blessings you've shared with us, but Lord, that we would make the most of the opportunities to tell the gospel to people around us, even if they don't care, even if they don't listen, so that one day when we stand before your throne of grace, we'll be able to stand there with a clear conscience knowing we said everything we needed to say. We did everything we needed to do. We went everywhere we should have went. You used us to serve where we should have served. So Father, we pray for your will to be done in this invitation. Whatever decisions need to be made. Maybe there's some people you're stirring in their hearts to become a part of this fellowship, to become members here at this church and seeking us to help to fulfill the kingdom call and the work you've called us to. Father, I just pray for your will to be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn invitation, just as I am. Would you stand this morning and come as the Lord lays on your heart?
going to share our announcements and I know we have some others who are going to share too. Where'd he go? Is he coming? Well, I think Titus wants you to know that I think he's coming. Come on, Titus. I, he wants you to know that Awana um, needs a game leader. And we want to thank uh, Ben for the seven years that he's helped us with games. He's just done an awesome job. And, um, but unfortunately, he cannot be two places at once. So, uh, and I want to thank uh, all the leaders that we have. We have so many leaders this year, um, but we do have that one spot that's open. It is not the whole time. It is from 6.15 to 6.30, and then you get a supper break, and then it's 7 o'clock to 7.15. So it's not the whole time that we have an uh, Awana. Um, if the Lord is prompting you to serve in this way, you can talk to the pastor or myself or call the church office. This is a great way to show Jesus' love to the children. And I'll warn you right now that you might have more fun than they do. I have over 50 videos of how to use a hula hoop, a pool noodle, um, parachute, and kickball. It, so I won't be just throwing you in there with the lions. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you very much. And thank you, Titus. Today begins the designated week of prayer for Tennessee Missions in coordination with the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. 
it's a designated week that we take time to pray for all the things that God is doing here in Tennessee through the ministries that we support through the Golden Offering. I encourage you today as we make our way from worship in each and every one of our windowsills, you'll find there a prayer guide. And I encourage you to pick one up, take it with you, and spend a few moments alone with God this week in looking and thinking about the specific needs that we have here in Tennessee. Uh, there's offering envelopes as you pray and God uh, touches your heart to give to the support of these ministries. We just ask that you would carefully and prayerfully consider. Thank you. I have a couple of announcements. There is a um, open house at the Motlow BCM Tuesday, September 12th from 9 to 4 to celebrate the new renovations that uh, that have been done there. And um, at, uh, where is this? At First Baptist Church Tullahoma, also on Tuesday, September 12th, there is a, an FCA fundraiser. Uh, it's a banquet at 6 p.m. Meals, doors open at 6, meal begins at 6.30. Um, Highland already has a, a table reserved there, so feel free to come and, and join in, and uh, the FCA can definitely use your support. Um, anyway, um, are there any other announcements? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, today is the last day to sign up for the uh, simulcast for the Priscilla Shearer uh, simulcast, so encourage to sign up for that. It's also the last day to sign up for uh, prime timers. So, let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the wonderful blessings. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, for all that, all that he did and all that he paid for. Dear Lord, forgive us where we fail you and go with us through the rest of the day. In Jesus' holy name, amen.